everybody welcome to episode number 62 of the between the cracks podcast <laughs> i'm your host bill and with me as always is my co-host chris oh well, chris uh <laughs> what can i say uh we're here yeah about that whole weekly episode thing it, it has not been working out has it well you know life throws you a curveball sometimes not that we've had any, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, fit, fittingly, because uh, our uh, softball games keep happening on Monday nights, and that is generally the only night that we are able to record. And mine switches weekly, but for the last two or three weeks, every Monday night has been softball. Yeah, and, you know, there's that whole motivation thing, too. happens. <laughs> <laughs> and, hey, listen, the weekend, <laughs> the weekend is ours to relax, so I, I, I just can't do it. Oh, I, I refuse to record on the weekend. Absolutely. But I did switch uh, on one of the um, settings for the podcast. I switched to bi-weekly. So at least we cover our tails a little bit. <laughs> and we'll, of course, stretch that as far as we can. Yes, we can, Chris. But, uh, I mean, we are sounding very down. So I think it's time uh, we get right into this one. <laughs> I mean, we, we are not doing good tonight, are we? Uh, but I think it's time to liven things up because, Chris... Tonight, we have a listener suggestion. Tonight's request comes from the one and only Faye from England. Now, Chris, before we get into it, this one comes from her neck of the woods, so there's a lot of uh, geographical stuff here that I probably should have consulted with Faye on before we jumped into this, but I did not. And uh, like, I'm looking at the spellings of some of these things, and I'm trying to figure out how to say it. So uh, I hope all of our listeners in the UK uh, will just take it all with a green... Oh, salt. Silence, <laughs> Whoa, excuse me, sir. Don't give it away. Uh, Chris, now with all that said, <laughs> let's get into it. Tonight, little buddy, we are talking about one of the most bizarre mysteries to come out of northern England. That's right, Chris. Tonight, we're talking about the Solway Firth Spaceman, sometimes referred to as the Cumberland Spaceman. And we're going to get into the, the uh, reasoning why we have these uh, alternate names. But before we do that, let's at least talk about who the hell this guy was. If he existed at all. This story begins, uh, innocently enough, with a picture. And that picture was taken by a local historian and fighter fighter, Chris, by the name of Jim Templeton. And this picture was taken in 1964, more specifically... On the 23rd of May, 1964. And it's a nice picture. It's a picture of his little daughter there. They're on this grassy kind of knoll or grassy hill, which I should mention was taken on. Now get this, Chris. I'm looking at it. It's called Berg Marsh. And that's how we say it. But I looked at the pronunciation and it's called Bruff Marsh. And this is situated near Bruff by Sands, which, Chris, is in the lovely Cumbria, England. As I said... Old Jimmy Templeton here took a picture of his beautiful little daughter. He didn't think anything of it. He took three pictures of her. Let me give a little bit of a description here. You got a picture of a beautiful little child with nice blue skies behind her and luscious green grass. What could possibly be weird about that? Well, let me tell you. When uh, Jim went to get these pictures developed, the person who was developing the photos, upon returning them to Jim, said, It's such a shame that the picture got ruined of your daughter. 
And he was like, what are you talking about? And the guy went on to say, you know, that the fact that there was some sort of being or person standing behind his daughter. And Jim was just like flabbergasted. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He looks at the picture and behind her is what some describe to be... A spaceman. Or some kind of astronaut, Chris. If this is a spaceman, which I could see the... I could see where they're getting that from. It is a very well-tailored spacesuit. Yes, very. It's very fitting, isn't it? It's a little snug. If you look into the picture, you see what looks like the upper half of a body. Based on the way that the person's standing, their their back is to Jim's daughter. What you could see is it's like all white. Like I said, it it looks like a very fitting suit if it is. And then uh, what appears to be like a dark colored head and then what looks almost like a whitish blur at the top and the side of it so it's not very defined that it would be like uh, an exact space helmet i don't know what you would even call that so oddly enough chris i actually looked this up i looked up 1960s astronaut spacesuits right i came across something called the mercury seven which were a group of seven astronauts that were selected to fly a spacecraft for project mercury and i have never even heard of that so i'm not even gonna get into it but i'm looking at these spacesuits chris (laughs) i'll tell you what dude they're form-fitting and they look eerily and i mean eerily similar to what we see in that picture there Let's get into the details of this. So, as I said, the family went out on a, a day trip to Bruff Mar- Bruff Marsh. Am I saying this right? Did I, that's what I said before. Well, you got me, pal. That's what you found out. All right, all right. Bruff Marsh. Okay, the family, the, <laughs> the Templetons go to visit uh, this marsh, right? They're hanging out, having a nice time. The place is completely empty, according to Jim. But he did say that he had noticed, I believe, two older women uh, parked in a car... Know, somewhere down the hill, but they weren't walking around uh, that he was aware of. And uh, I mean, I, furthermore, it depends on uh, <laughs> their age. I don't know how you know far or steep up this hill they would be uh, going. Yeah, I doubt there, there'd be enough time for an old lady to hightail it into a photobombing uh, situation. But also, we have to remember, too, that we're talking about pretty old cameras here, right? So it's not like you take your phone and you point it at you know, take a picture and you could see exactly what you're looking at. You know, the viewfinders back then were, were pretty uh, obscure in the sense that you would you would only see maybe like 70% of what was in the shot. So that there's, there's blind spots. Basically. Well, and that's exactly right. And that's what they say. One theory out there is that they believe that this was Jim's wife standing behind the daughter. And unknowingly to Jim, he snaps the photo thereby creating a bizarre imagery behind the little kid there. But, you know, as you said, it may crop out about 30% of what you're seeing in the overall landscape. But the thing that makes it hard for me to believe that is that it's basically popping right out of her head, right? So, I mean, right. if he's right if he's right there and he sees her face focused in that camera, he's going to see that right behind her. Right, and he took three pictures. Yes, and and get this, Chris. The little spaceman here only showed up in one. Silence, Earthling! So let's just say he took three consecutive photos. The first one, 
there was no spaceman. The second one, there was a spaceman, right? And then the third one, it's gone. If he took these photos in succession, wouldn't you see the thing moving either to the left or to the right? Yeah, I mean, we don't know. Uh, I don't know if he mentions uh, or recollects how quickly the three pictures were taken. But I would assume, do we have all three pictures? Can we actually see all three? Oddly enough, Chris, we do not have all three pictures. At least that I could come across of uh, Jim saying that you know they were taken in, in succession there where the, there was no further... Uh, evidence of this being being behind his daughter but as i was (laughs) researching this and looking around the internet for additional photos there was one odd photo of the little girl there picking some flowers or holding some flowers and the mom crawling on all fours to the right of her coming towards the camera so it's not like she's being playful with the child it looks like she's crawling, you know, as if she uh, <laughs> is sickly and is crawling to uh, some sort of safety. Unless she's trying to get out of the shot, which is a possibility, I guess. And that could very well be the case, but it just looks kind of odd. And, you know, I know old Jim... Actually, from this angle, it almost looks like she's picking flowers. Oh, what an astute observation, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I can only surmise. <laughs> well, you may be. <laughs> so, suddenly I become a, an arrogant prick like I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you may uh, very well be onto something here, but I, I'm laughing because uh, Jim Templeton here fancied himself a photographer. And judging by these photos, uh, I'm not seeing anything uh, that would um, strike me as uh, being a standout talent, is uh, maybe what I'm, I'm looking to say. Perhaps uh, firefighting uh, should stick with that profession. <laughs> but there are a lot of people who theorize that the person behind the daughter there is none other than Mrs. Templeton. You know, we talked a little bit about this off air. Just looking at what Miss Templeton is wearing, and she's wearing a sleeveless blue dress with, you know, nice little ruffles on it and whatnot. In comparison to what is standing behind her daughter there, I know that you say that you see it a little bit, but I'm not seeing it. And furthermore, I think that the person standing behind the daughter (laughs) looks extraordinarily muscular. From that angle, it, it looks like a very toned, muscular arm. On the right side, that's the only arm you can really see. And look at the back. The back's all jacked up. Like we said, we have no idea because of how the exposure is. If this was the mother, uh, how it could have made her look. One angle can make a person look giant, and then from a different angle, they could they can look totally different. So that could definitely be a factor. But uh, yeah, this right now, if you're looking at this, and if you saw a picture of what the mother looked like in a dress, you'd be like, no way, that's her. It doesn't match up, even with the exposure. It just doesn't look like it matches up. Well, that's what they think. You know, they think there's an overexposure. You know, it it just takes away from all the colors surrounding, kind of meshes together and takes out some of the blues and whatnot. But if it was a a, a double exposure, you know, that wouldn't really make sense because it would be kind of combined, right? Like you would see the body kind of like meshed into the daughter's head. Well, the interesting thing, too, is, and I don't know if this had anything to do with the fact that, so if you see the background, there's a blue sky, mm-hmm. right? And so if it picked up the blue sky so well, why wouldn't it pick up her blue dress? Whoa. Whoa. 
Chris, you are on your game tonight. My man, that is another astute observation. And please, please, if there's any photographers out there, I mean, granted, you'd have to have knowledge of old technology uh, because I know there's some people that are just really into different cameras of the past and, and the history behind them. Please share your thoughts on uh, whether or not this this phenomenon is very possible or not. I should also add that uh, Jim was so adamant that this picture was real, he went and took the photo to Kodak, the company who manufactured the camera, as well as the local police. And uh, both came to the conclusion that the picture itself was not doctored. That's an interesting conversation you'd have with the police. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say in that situation? Like, I took three pictures and this person showed up in one of them? Well, you got to remember, too, it's 1964. So, you know, you got all these movies coming out about spacemen and all this other shit. And, you know, it was probably a little more believable back then. Um, or less, uh, <laughs> less uh, something to be made fun of back then, I'm guessing. And superstition. Superstition was a really, really huge thing, even even probably back then, like you're saying. So, uh, yeah, you never know. They could have been like, oh, my God. They right. believed them and been like on the search for some spaceman. So, yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris. When Jim took uh, this picture to the police in Carlisle, they said it was not altered, but... They also said that there was nothing out of the ordinary. That would then bring you to the conclusion that there is some form of being standing behind little Elizabeth. And if I, we didn't mention the name before, the name of the lovely little girl is Elizabeth, Elizabeth Templeton. So they don't find anything suspicious. And what would they be able to do anyway? If, I know. If what are you going to do? Did, right. Some guy in a suit and you're fucking, you know, go roaming the area for that. So obviously they wouldn't do anything about that, I wouldn't think. But the fact that they're saying that it's it, it's definitely not a fake, which would, of course, go to the fact that there was definitely something there, but we still don't know whether or not this was uh, Anne, the, the mother. The funny thing, too, Chris, is that Kodak, you know, they verify this as being a real picture or not having been tampered with. They went so far as to offer a reward to anyone that could prove that this photo was fake. And, uh, little buddy, to this day, that reward has never been claimed. Very intriguing indeed, because uh, I believe there was a guy who wrote a, a UFO book by the name of David Clark. And Clark mentions at one point in this book that people will still be talking about it in another 50 years. Let's not put uh, all the chips on the table with old DC yet, Chris, because he did say this in the year 2014, which would <laughs> require us to still be talking about this from beyond the grave, obviously, in 2064. Well, yeah, you never know. We could still be somehow <laughs> kicking around. So we still have some time uh, to see if Dr. Clark is uh, correct in his assumption there. But, Chris, our story does not and there, pal, it only gets more and more bizarre as time rolls on. As we said already, Jim took the picture to Kodak. They verified it as being real. He took it to police. They said, you have nothing to worry about. I mean, it's authentic, but you know what the hell can we do? Now, Chris, this is where things take an unusual turn. And 
this is now when we have to start weighing is what is true and what is not true. Because according to Mr. Templeton, he gets a visit at his home one day. He answers the door, Chris, and there are two men standing there. And uh, get this, he described them as men in black. So they said, are you Jim Templeton? You know, they go into the whole... Uh, spiel about the picture and what he saw that day and uh, he asked them to identify themselves they did not provide him with a name and they only referred to each other as number nine and number 11 so chris we should actually uh give a little bit of a definition of <laughs> who or what the men in black are and again you know we we have to use that term conspiracy theory because that that's what we like to call anybody who questions anything right but uh, it's a kind of a bullshit term, but it is what it is. So men in black, basically, uh, they're supposed to be these guys who are dressed in black suits who uh, claim to be quasi-government agents who harass, threaten, or sometimes even assassinate alien witnesses. Interesting. So basically what Jim is saying here is that he perceived them as some kind of threat. They want to know what he saw. They want to know what he knows. And uh, as the story goes, Jim went back to Bruff Marsh with uh, number nine and number 11. Apparently, they felt well enough with uh, the answers he provided that <laughs> they left. But uh, Chris, as the story goes, they just left him there, <laughs> leaving him to, <laughs> to walk home. Those government officials are really... Rude, really. Seriously, Chris. But uh, that one is kind of up in the air because that is just Jim's account of uh, what happened there. There were no other witnesses that we know of that saw Jim with number nine and number 11. And but, number nine and number 11 are wanted for questioning. Well, I guess Jim is just lucky that he didn't run into number two. <laughs> So now, Chris, here is where I believe our story picks up a little bit of, uh, dare I say, credibility. All right, you know, the men in black, it is what it is, you know. that, that That's Jim's word versus everybody else. We have to take it for what it is. But, I mean, it sounds kind of odd. But we do know, bud, that there was something happening all the way on the other side of the world just days after Jim took that photograph and that was the launch of the Blue Streak missile in Woomera, South Australia. They had to halt that launch because there were technicians on site that reported seeing two men in a blocked off area. So they wanted to get to the bottom of this, making sure that nothing was being tampered with. And therefore, they halted the launch. We did mention that. Uh, Jim took the picture to the police and Kodak and that Kodak then offered the reward. So obviously this thing gained, th this thing spread like wildfire, especially for the time in, in, in the sixties. Right? So this thing made it to every major newspaper. This is worldwide news. This, this Solway spaceman picture and it got all the way to Australia. And this all ties in together because the people in Australia, those that witnessed these two men in the missile launching area, said that they were absolutely floored, that they were stunned at how similar the two men on the launching site looked to 
the Solway spaceman that stood behind Elizabeth. So, Chris, initially, I thought this story was complete bullshit. I'm like, of course I think it's the mom or one of the old ladies that Jim said he saw there. But, uh, Bud, can you reveal the next little piece of evidence that <laughs> may sway us and some of our listeners in the complete opposite direction? First of all, let's kind of grasp how big of a story perhaps that this Solway Spaceman picture is getting because it lands on the front page of an Australian newspaper. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. And you, you got to take into account the date. I mean, we're talking about the 1960s, so there, <laughs> there's no internet. You know, there, there's no the sharing of information, you know, in a snap of the finger around the world. I mean, this story had to spread, you know, mouth to mouth by newspaper, on the news, whatever. But it made its way all around the world. And that's obviously very important because what I'm about to say is that Upon this discovery in the Australian newspaper, they now look at this figure and they say, wow, this looks strikingly similar to the two people they saw. It looks looks strikingly similar to the person in the photo of Jim's daughter. But what's even stranger is that this Blue Streak missile had been built in Cumbria, just a mere few miles away from where Jim Templeton photographed his daughter Elizabeth. I think we're diving into something we shouldn't, Chris. Are you fucking kidding me? Isn't that odd? That's extremely odd. So now, if you were thinking before that old Anne got in the way of the picture, overexposed, you know, it ends up being her, but doesn't look anything like her because of it. And now we have an Australian missile launch that gets stopped because of two figures. They see in the newspaper about this whole Solway spaceman in Australia. They say, wow, it looks just like the two guys we saw near the, the launch site. And then they find out that that missile was built in Cumbria, right where the picture was taken. I mean, <laughs> it's all coming together, isn't it? Well, when you say it like that, Jesus. (laughs) Well, you know, we got to go back to uh, old uh, Dr. Dave Clark, old DC here. He didn't truly believe everything that was going on here, especially with the delay in the Blue Streak launching. He was kind of dismissive of the claim of the two men on the range there because he said there's no photographic evidence of these two gentlemen that were supposedly running around. But, I mean... Who the hell knows? Like we said, it's 1964. Not everybody's snapping pictures all over the place. And there's not CCTV cameras attached to uh, everything. And there's an interesting thing that's mentioned here, too, that the reason why this picture really took off was because of the whole space race, which we were talking about, the whole first one to the moon, which happens not even, what, five years later? The reason that this picture could have got so much public interest was because of that, because there was a space race and now someone sees a spaceman or space person in this picture, you know, now everyone's thinking, who, who could this be? You know, is, is this something part of the whole space race between these two countries? So that makes sense that it got all over there. And I bet you if that wasn't the case, that Australia probably would have never even saw this picture. Absolutely right, Chris. 
absolutely right. Now, I guess we should get into it and uh, talk about what we think. Uh, Bud, let's start with you. Having assessed the photograph itself and some of the other photographs taken that day, as well as all of the uh, bizarre coincidences taking place with the Blue Streak missile mere days apart. Bud, what says you? What do you think happened on that fateful day of May 23rd, 1964? Now, you know I'm a realist. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'm going to have to be one again. No. I think it's the mom in that picture. We are, wow. We, we are truly disappointed in you, Chris. Uh, <laughs> Who's we? <laughs> the spaceman that's standing behind me. Uh, but, uh, dude, well, it says you, Bill. Mm, thanks for asking, Chris. Um, oddly enough, I do not think it's the mom. Judging by the traps and the lats, the tricep <laughs> and the biceps there, I, I do not think that this is Mrs. Templeton, uh, especially... When I'm comparing it to the picture of her crawling in that blue dress, I just don't feel like that's her. Now, do I think it's some kind of alien being or an astronaut? No. But it does creep me out a little bit because maybe this was just some fucking weirdo walking around that day that uh, the family was just unaware of. Because it looks like this is filmed on a hill of some sort, and it looks like maybe that back end of this hill starts to decline. So maybe this person just walked up from the other end and they didn't notice. Could it be overexposure and be the mom's blue dress? Yes, but it just does not look like the same body that I'm seeing of this woman crawling. I mean, this body looks huge. And also, we should mention the angle at which this thing is standing, right? Because you got little Elizabeth here and... Everything looks pretty parallel here, right? You know, you're looking at her eyes and then the backdrop behind her of that grass, and they're pretty level. Now, with this person standing there, if you're looking dead on, that person is at a very obvious angle. I mean, you'd have to be leaning over it, almost like a dog pissing. So you don't think uh, maybe Mama Templeton was just doing some push-ups on the ground and then she got up and she looked jacked? <laughs> well, <laughs> so Chris, I'm looking at this and um, I'm going to say that it was just some uh, random person walking around that day that they just didn't notice. And boy, I don't know. I just don't think it's the mom. I think it's just the uh, creep of Bruff Marsh. But when you're looking at all the information, it does tie together nicely. There's no escaping the fact, if it is a fact, that those missiles, if they were built in Cumbria and they did indeed halt that launch in Australia, that's a very, very unlikely coincidence, like extremely unlikely. I don't know. I don't know about that part. But I I think Jim kind of loses me when he talked about the men in black coming to visit him. You know, that is when I think we started just to add little uh, things onto this story to uh, make it a little more sci-fi-like than uh, believable. Even Jim says that he kind of dismisses them as frauds, which is interesting because if you're trying to sell a story, you, you know, you wouldn't want to try to discount the creepiness and the fact that these guys were just fake guys trying to pull his chain, but because the story got such a big amount of attention and a lot of public interest, 
clearly because it made it all the way to Australia in less than two weeks, there is a chance that somebody was pulling his chain. Like a couple guys decided to play it off as as a couple agents. It very well could be, Chris, but let me play the devil's advocate, if you don't mind. Maybe once Jim put this out there about the men in black, he felt like he was getting mocked, and the story was getting too grandiose, and he was not being believed, so he kind of pulled the reins in on that and uh, created the fraud story. So, I mean, we don't know. With all that said, Jim held on to uh, the belief, and he was steadfast in his convictions that this whole ordeal that he went through was real. And unfortunately, Jim passed away on November 27th of 2011. He leaves a lasting legacy with one click of the camera. Well said. That, that came out of nowhere, huh? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Chris, that's it. Uh, unfortunately, we are both in agreement that we are debunking this case. Chris says it's the mom. I say it's uh, some creep walking around uh, Bruff Marsh. So, uh, that's it, bud. That is the case of the Solway Spaceman. And I got to thank Faye for uh, recommending this one. This is one I had never heard of before. And it's a pretty interesting little story. And might I add, we've now cracked our 62nd case. Wow. <laughs> we are unbelievable. 62 for 62. Uh, but uh, Chris, I must say, I, I have to thank everybody down in Trinidad and Tobago because, bud, we have been on the top 200 charts, the true crime charts, for over two months now. Now, I don't know what's going on down there, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is, and we're still on the charts, and thank you, everybody, so much down there for listening to us. So now, with all that said, let's give the uh, rundown. You want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com, or you can get in touch with us at Instagram, uh, Between the Cracks Podcast. If you want to become one of our lovely patrons, you can do so by following the link in the show notes. I mean... We have a lovely community, and let me tell you something. The cost of running this is going up, so if you want to throw the boys at the Between the Cracks podcast a few uh, shekels or pennies, feel more than welcome to. I mean, uh, who am I to hold you back? Who am I to say no, right, Chris? (laughs) Yeah, come on. (laughs) So um, now, uh, with all that out of the way, Chris, I think it's time we wish to find, find people out in podcast land the fondest Oh. Farewells. Oh, all right. That's it. All right. Not too bad. Those those relatively painless. Yeah. All right, dude. Thanks, man. I'll text you later.